are you ready? buddy i'm doing great man uh just just very excited you know new year you know 2016 a lot of people were was very down on it i wasn't it was a great year for boxing and mixed martial arts one of the most exciting years we've had and i'm excited to see what 2017 is going to bring absolutely we had a uh huge ending in mma UFC 207, we're going to break that down, a couple of dethronings of champions, and, an, you know, uh, an emerging of some new stars. But uh, first, let's get to the particulars. You're listening to the Ultimate Fight Show. If you want to call in, the number is 1657-383-1412. We'll, we'll be here till 9 o'clock live, so feel free to call in. It's a new year. You know, uh, man up and uh, give us a call. Uh, other than that, you can find us on social media at Blog Talk Radio, Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram. Brad, you want to give them that info? Absolutely. It's very easy to find us. Just search The Ultimate Fight Show. Uh, you can go directly to us at facebook.com slash The Ultimate Fight Show. Twitter's a little different. Different. It's The Alt Fight Show. But Instagram's back to The Ultimate Fight Show. And, you know, that's 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 it, man. That's That's what we're going with. A lot of fight show stuff. All right. So Absolutely. That's what that's what we do. It is, it is. Uh January twenty seventeen, you know we have the new rankings for the new year. But first, we we as a show here want to kinda pay homage to the the year that was twenty sixteen and give our our Braggy Awards. Uh that that's our <laughs> unique name that we have for our ultimate fight show awards. Uh and uh see who wins the Braggies this year and then we'll you know, get to the new rankings and also our predictions in our segment that you guys know and love called Fact or Fiction. So, Bragg, let's talk about the fighter of the year. I, I don't think that in other years I thought maybe there was more of a debate. This year was pretty clear-cut. I think that we can all agree that Conor McGregor is the UFC fighter, I mean, is the, the ultimate fight show fighter of the year, and you know, winning, becoming the first two, two division belt holder at the same time, just remarkable. The numbers that he set. Bragg, is this a pretty clear cut unanimous? And if not, give me someone who was maybe just a little bit behind McGregor. Who who else maybe you think might have been in contention for this award? 
Yeah, I think I think Connor is is the fighter of the year. I mean, he's done something this year that no other fighter has done in the UFC, and that's won two belts in two different weight classes. Uh, he's fought at three different weight classes. Um, no, I'm sorry, I take that back. He only fought at uh, two. He never uh, went back down the um, featherweight, but. You know, a two-division champion. He did have that loss to Nate Diaz, but he avenged it later in the year. Um, yeah, he, he's top. He's at the top. He's the number one uh, guy in the world right now. I think a guy that you could uh, – another fighter you could put in there is someone like Amanda Nunes, who I think we all agree is probably the female fighter of the year, uh, barely going um, – slipping by Joanna there. Uh, Demetrius Johnson continues his domination. Those are two – another guy who could be in the conversation. Um, a lot of guys uh, have been very strong. Michael Bisping is another guy who you could say um, maybe a fighter of the year candidate. Just a, a very strong year. Uh, but I think Conor McGregor is the man uh, of 2016, uh, hands down. Yeah, and as, as you mentioned, Amanda Nunes is our female fighter of the year. And another name that was mentioned – for uh, contention for fight of the year, Michael Bisbing. He is the, that is the upset of the year, is Michael Bisbing knocking out uh, Luke Rockhold to win the UFC title in what probably was his last attempt had Bisbing lost. So he is our ultimate fight show winner of the upset of the year. Bragg, let's, let, let's go to fight of the year. Who, who, who do you think was the ultimate fight show's fight of the year? In a year with a lot of contenders, I think, to me, the fight I look back on and remember most fondly was uh, Stephen Thompson against Tyrone Woodley at uh, Madison Square Garden for the welterweight belt. The fight ended in a draw. Uh, I believe that was a good decision. Just an absolute war. These two waged for five rounds. Uh, you, you add that into the Madison Square Garden atmosphere, uh, just just an absolute fabulous fight against two guys who who probably still – they are actually going to rematch. I think that was just announced that – I believe it's in March they're going to have the rematch. But uh, just just two great warriors, uh, mano a mano, for 25 minutes. And it was just – to me, that is the fight of the year. Yeah, I agree. It was um, – I, I would say maybe a close second would be uh, – Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, too, or you could even throw in um, the Joanna Jancic against uh, uh, Claudia Gardalia. That was a, another really great, really great fight. fight. Let's uh, let's go to submission of the year, Brad. Who do you got? Well, to, to me, uh, call her our favorite all you want, but I think Misha Tate's comeback in that fight with Holly Holm. Back in May, I'm sorry, April, uh, where she sunk in the rear naked choke and was able to finish her for the belt um, in the fifth round. Uh, to me, that's the submission of the year. Fought back through adversity. She was down on the scorecard. She needed that finish to win the title, and that's exactly what she did. So, uh, Misha Tate wins submission of the year for uh, for me. Took took the words right out of my mouth with the breakdown of that fight. She was down on every scorecard needed the win, and again, back against the wall, probably her last title shot if she lost. And what does she do? She beats the girl who the Invincible Rousey, 
and she did it with, again, the submission of the year. And in such a strange year, you see her lose then the, her next two fights and retire. So April winning the title, top of the mountain, December retired analyst now for ESPN MMA. So just goes to show you anything can happen in life. Now, uh, Brag, knockout of the year. Who do you got? Yeah, this, this, is, this is a tough one, but uh, the one that sticks out in my mind, uh, the one that I won't forget for a long time is uh, came courtesy of Bellator at Bellator 158. Uh, Michael Page with a flying knee to Evangelista Santos uh, knocked him out cold. The, the, the sound was just sickening, and he ended up giving up getting a fractured skull. It, it did. He, he had to retire. He he wanted to come back, but he just couldn't risk further injury and further damage. But uh, fractured his skull, which is a, an injury I get to see in major mixed martial arts, um, just a scary thing, but just a well-placed time. Uh, knee that ended the fight in a hurry. Yeah, for me, uh, that one was obviously the, fu- the the knockout of the year. I think that you could also, if if you're saying one, you know, one strike knockout, then that was the knockout of the year. I would say the Yoel Romero knockout of Chris Weedman was also a very close second. But if you're going by just a, a knockout where the referee had to stop the fight. Conor McGregor over um, Eddie Alvarez could come to mind, um, or the Bisbing fight against Rockhold. Both championship fights, both fights that ended abruptly. Um, not so much shocking Conor fight, but but maybe the way he did it, the quickness probably was. Brad, what were you going to say? Well, you could look at Nune- you could look at Nunez and Rousey to end the year. Just another dominating. Yeah. Uh, performance uh, to me, I think that has to rank right up there as well. Just a year full of great knockouts. Uh, just a fantastic year overall. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So now that that's out of the way, let's break down UFC 207. Now that we can sit here and talk about it and what went down. You and I, you know, we talked before and both thought Amanda Nunes was going to take care of business. If you follow our Instagram and Twitter, especially mine, you'll know that I won money betting against Rhonda that night. It was just, it just, there was something, there was something uh, fishy in the water there. I just didn't think that she should have been the favorite. I thought they kind of brought her into that fight and she was just annihilated. I mean, and, and usually we don't start with the big fight first, but, for this card, we're going to because I just think it was such an abrupt ending. And here's the weird thing, Bragg. Rousey landed 7 out of 14 strikes for 50%, which in a normal fight probably would have led to her getting a W. But Amanda Nunes landed 27 of 34 of, – I'm sorry, of 49 strikes. And they were heavier and they hurt more. And Ronda was just out of there in 48 seconds. It was uh, – it didn't – I thought it wouldn't go past the first, but I didn't think it would end in a minute. Uh, just spectacular performance by the champion, member of the LBG uh, T community, and uh, her her fight. Uh, her partner is actually someone who might be challenging for a 115 title in the near future. Bragg, what did you think about Nunez's performance? And 
on another side question, is this the last time we see Ronda Rousey uh, in MMA at all? Yeah, I, I thought Nunez, she basically pitched the perfect game. Uh, she she had a game plan. Uh, she didn't take long to execute it, and she went out there and got, got the job done, like, like you said, 48 seconds. Uh, before you knew it, it was over. Uh, I know there was a lot of controversy as far as what uh, with Rousey's trainer, um, Edmund, he – you know him talking that you know they should have let the fight go. That Ronda would would have come back. No, no, no. She wouldn't have done that. Ronda had no chance to apply her game plan, which was to attempt to clinch, take Nunez down. Uh, she didn't have a chance to. She grabbed. She she was able to reach for Nunez twice in that fight. Both times she got thrown off or shook off and punched for her troubles. Just a complete annihilation of Ronda Rousey. But we see her in the cage again. If we do, it's going to be a while. Uh, if we thought a year off for her was a long time, I'm thinking she goes to Hollywood. She you know, runs through the list of movies she's got coming up. Uh, she may, you know, she's said she's been interested in uh, going to the WWE and working with them a little bit. You might see her go there. But I think she will be back eventually. Uh, will she be at the same level? I don't know. But once the limelight fades, once now, and and I I say this with a precipice that I'm not sure she's her acting is credible enough to to take her to Hollywood full time. Right. And mm-hmm. with all due respect, yeah. I just I haven't seen anything that tells me that she you know, has that talent about her. Um, that's not to say, I mean, you look at a girl like Gina Carano, who's made a um, pretty good career at this point, you know, playing bit parts in movies, you know, she's playing the badass chick, basically. Ronda can do that very well. Would she settle for that, you know, fourth or fifth billing down? Who knows? I mean, she's Ronda Rousey. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it was just, it, it was shocking to see the domination that night. It, it was Almost sad. I'm not a Ronda Rousey fan. We've talked about this. Um, I've always thought that her promotion was overblown. Um, and the UFC did bend over backwards for her. They, you know, coming out of last year's fight with Holly Holm, she went through the mental breakdown, contemplated suicide, as she, as she told Ellen. Uh, she, just, she had all these issues. And they, the UFC really treated her with kid gloves throughout this year. And when she decided to come back for this fight, they kept her away from the press all for the last month, essentially. Very few press junkets she did. Um, You know, very monitored, very, very coddled by the UFC. And, you know, did it help her? Did it hinder her? I don't know. But if that's what it took to get her back into the octagon, I I think she, she is done. But... You know them as well as I do. Mm-hmm. Fighters are fighters, and that they they never really retire. So it's hard yeah. to say she'll never fight again. But you know, I think it'll be a few years before you see her in that ring again. Yeah, I'm going to say that you never see her again. And um, I think I think it goes to a bigger um, 
I think she's a pioneer for women's MMA. Again, Dana White had no interest in ever bringing women fighters over. He did it because of Rousey, who's now become a close friend of his. I just think that she was overblown, overhyped. And if you look at her, Shale Sonnen brought up a really good point when he said that if you look at her style, judo, her discipline, she's the only person in the history of UFC, male or female, to make judo work for her to translate into championships. She obviously, like Amanda Nunes said in the post-fight interview, Ronda didn't go to, she really didn't work on anything in the last year. She had no game plan. She tried to trade and strike with the striker and she got destroyed. And whether or not that's bad people around her or whether or not she's mentally that weak, her psyche having been beat up, but the sport has evolved. It's evolved past her. And, you know, I've even heard some people go as far as to say that Ronda Rousey was a fraud and that we all bought the Kool-Aid and that she should be lucky that, you know, we embraced her the way that we did. Um, I, I'm not going to go that far, but I definitely think that she was uh, overhyped. And I've said it for a few years now on this show that, if her and Cyborg ever fought, I thought Cyborg would knock her out in the first minute. Amanda Nunes and Cyborg has now become the new fight. I think that needs to be that needs to happen in women's MMA. Bragg, what do you think? Um, final thoughts, real quick, as we, you know, on what I said, so we can close this chapter. No, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think the she just hasn't evolved as a fighter. Um, and the, the sport has. She she started, and, and as much as we love a lot of the women who fought, you know, and who came up in the last, you know, six years or so, you know, up and through Strike Force. I mean, the the talent pool was it was rather shallow. I mean, you had some elite mm-hmm. fighters. You know, your, you know, Gina Carano was at top. She was quickly um, dethroned by Cyborg. Uh, you had uh, girls like Misha Tate who came in, who was who were wrestlers who, you know, could box a little. Uh, Rhonda's judo, Rhonda's, they call her, you know, the old adage, the one-trick pony. Her one trick was just so much better than everyone else's. Yeah. And she was able to utilize it and use it. But again, the sport has evolved. You're starting to see female fighters who are, you know, who are training MMA from an early age rather than training karate or training judo or just jujitsu. Same, you saw it with the men. The same thing. Wrestlers dominated, but wrestlers and Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters dominated the early days of mixed martial arts. Now you're seeing, you know, and then you, if you had a boxer come in, they were able to have some success. Now you're seeing guys evolve where you know they're training every aspect of the sport and that's exactly what's what happened with amanda nunez uh, who's a great striker uh kickboxer and a jiu-jitsu player just a great future for the sport and i agree with you i think cyborg is still out there for, for a super fight um it, it could it happen with her and nunez very possible. I think it, we're more likely to see that fight than we ever were to see Ronda and Cyborg. Yeah. 
All right, moving on, we had the uh, uh, dethroning of a champion, Dominic Cruz taking on Cody Garbrandt. We had Garbrandt ranked number seven by the Ultimate Fight Show. Cruz is a longtime champion, arguably the best fighter pound for pound in the world. Um, in the end, it was a it was a weird fight to me. I, I'm going to tell you what I thought, and then you tell me what you thought, and we'll see <clears throat> how that worked out. But I thought Dominic Cruz won the first two rounds. I, I gave Garbrandt the third round, and then in the fourth round, I thought Garbrandt got a 10-8 round. They only gave him credit with two knockdowns, which I don't know what they were seeing. I counted at least five, which to me, I thought that Cruz may have injured his leg and didn't really say anything about it because it just seemed like he didn't have his balance. Um, in strikes, Cruz outlanded him 95-71, to 71, but again, the knockdowns made it seem like Garbrandt had the harder punches. And in the end, the judges were unanimous, uh, 48-47, 48-46, 48-47 for Garbrandt and new champion. Bragg, I personally thought the fight was a draw. I thought um, I had uh, Cruz winning the first two rounds, Garbrandt winning the next two and one of them 10-8, and then Cruz, I gave Cruz the final round barely. Um, but I could, but I also have no problem with Garbrandt being declared the winner. I'm just surprised it was unanimous instead of split. Bragg, what did you think? You know, I, I actually watching the fight live. I, I thought it was pretty clear that Garbrandt won the fight when the, when the bell was bell rang it after 25 minutes. I thought Cody Garbrandt was the champion of the world. The new champion of the world. Watching it again, yeah. I still think Cody won it, but I thought it was a little closer uh, than the first time I sit, um, saw it. I had it 48-46 as well um, as two of the other yeah. judges, the difference being that 10-8 round. Um, I think I had Garbrandt winning the first round, I believe. Uh, I think that's where yeah. you and I differ on that a little bit. But it, I can't argue that Cruz didn't win that first round. That was It was a good close round. Nice little feeling yeah. out process, but you know, when you look at it as a fight overall, I think that the right decision was made because Cody Garbrandt won the fight. I, you know, he, yeah. he won the fight overall. And it was a fantastic performance. You know, and I love what Dominic Cruz said after the fight. Uh, very humble in his loss, mm -hmm. you know, which is a great contrast to, um, you know, Ron, how Ronda Rousey handled her loss. Um, yeah. You know, he stood up in front of everybody. Uh, just said, listen, you know, it's, you know, they say this is a game of inches, and he got me by a couple inches this fight. Um, you know, very, very appreciative of, you know, the, the opportunity. And I, th I thought it showed a lot. And I, th I thought that, you know, Cody Garbrandt, he, he's a guy, I didn't think it was going to go to a, well, I, I'm sorry, I take that back. I did think it was going to go to a distance, but I thought Dominic Cruz would outlast him. Um, so I would have been wrong picking that fight. Um, I thought if Carbert was the one to fight, it would have been early um, with a TKO. But, uh, you know, he showed up to Garbert. We know what Dominic Cruz can do. Uh, we, we know what he's all about. We he know he can go five rounds. And he's one of the most dynamic fighters we've seen in a long time, making adjustments um, before a fight, during a fight, and fighting the other fight, his opponent's fight. And, Winning, uh, very similar to what George St. Pierre used to do, um, you know, going against your strength and beating you. Um, 
Dominic Cruz will be back. Uh, he, he's a great, great fighter, great champion. But Cody Garbrandt was just too much for him um, and got the decision Got the decision victory. I'd love to see a rematch between the two. I think we will, but it looks like now they might be uh, pushing one of the other guys we saw uh, on that card, TJ Dillashaw, uh, to be the next contender. Uh, would you rather see – I'll ask you, Larry. Would you rather see Dominic Cruz get an immediate rematch or would you like to see TJ Dillashaw get a shot at Cody? I would like to see Dominic Cruz fight TJ Dillashaw again. And I thought their fight fight was razor close. Cruz won because he was the champion. Now that he's not the champion, let's see them fight again and the winner gets Cody. I, I just think that when the champion wins, they don't really like, unless you're Conor McGregor, most champions are going to take six months off to enjoy the fact that they're the champion now, blah, blah, blah. So let's get, if, if Cruz is 100% healthy and so is Dillashaw, let's get them in there and, and mix it up and see see who really should be fighting Cody. Plus, it's going to make the fight that much bigger if, you know, Cruz is coming off of a win or Dillashaw is coming off of a, avenging a loss from to the former champion. Show, but, but, I mean, if I had to pick who deserves a title shot immediately, it would be Dillashaw over Cruz, in my opinion. He's beaten a tougher – Lineker was tough. He beat him. He also beat uh, – uh, who was the guy that uh, – I'm drawing a blank right now, but I will find him. Uh, he beat another top Burrell. guy that was great number two. No. Yeah, he beat uh, – no, 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 not Burrell. I'm talking about uh, he beat – a Sancho, Rafael Sancho. Yeah, Rafael Sancho. He beat him, and uh, I believe he beat John Dotson too. So, you know, this is. Uh, I definitely would think that he should get a shot first, but I'd like to see the two of them fight and and see what's what. Um, and again, you know, we already alluded to Dillashaw won his fight against Lineker pretty dominantly. Although I will say Lineker's a tough dude and can take a punch. Um, Dung Young Kim against Tarek Saperdine. This was the fight that I had an issue with, Bragg, and this is the last one we'll cover from the card. But uh, I picked Dung Young Kim. He got the split decision, but I thought Saperdine won the fight. Uh, he landed, outlanded him 68-64. to 64. I thought he controlled the octagon space better and uh, was a little bit more dominant with his strikes. Bragg, what did you think about that fight? Did the judges get it right? Yeah, I'm not so sure. It was a close fight. Uh, I can't – I'm not going to sit here and argue this decision in a long time, but I will say I thought mm-hmm. Saffordine won the fight as well. Uh, and this is weird because you, you got one judge uh, declaring the fight for Saffordine 30-27. I mean, that, that's about – that's three rounds of zip. Uh, the other two judges had Dong Young Kim winning 29-28. It – I – I had it, Tarek Saffredine, 29-28 myself. Uh, odd decision. Is it the worst crime we're ever going to see? No, but it, it it was unfortunate because I thought Saffredine earned, earned a victory and uh, he didn't get it. Yeah, either way, it was a good way to end the uh, mixed martial arts year. All right, let's uh, let's transition now into a little sweet science here at the Ultimate Fight Show.
the uh, boxing segment here at the Ultimate Fight Show. We're going to be reviewing the 2016 Braggy Awards for the Sweet Science, or as we call them, the LCs. You know, Bragg gets the MMA, I get the boxing awards. That's how <laughs> that's how it goes here now. So the LCs, which is uh, you know a new thing here now. Let's let's let, let's start this off right. Let's go with knockout of the year. Uh, for for the Ultimate Fight Show, it was uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez against Amir Khan. Why out of so many knockouts did we pick this one? Canelo was losing this fight. He was in there against the guy who was faster than him, not necessarily a harder puncher, but a, a guy who many people thought was had more skills and speed and could maybe do what Floyd Mayweather did to Canelo in his only loss. Canelo stayed the course, took what he had, and in devastating fashion, worked his way back into the fight, and then in the closing seconds of the fifth round, knocked Amir Khan out cold to the point where they didn't even do a count. Uh, immediately, Alvarez went to his side to, to help his uh, fallen combatant. And to me, it was just, it was just a, a great punch over a very good high-level fighter. And for me, that was the knockout of the year for the Ultimate Fight Show. Bragg, what did you think about that? And if, did, were there any other ones that you liked? No, I think that's uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. Just, you know, the two, the level of fighters that you had, you know, both guys, uh, main event fighters, uh, you know, and you talked about the fight and it almost made me forget it was only a five-round fight. I mean, these guys, there was so much that had happened uh, in those five rounds. Um, you know, if, if spread that out over tw- 10 or 12 rounds, you could be looking at a fight of the year uh, candidate as well, but... No, just absolutely a devastating knockout. It had me jump out of my seat when it happened. Um, you know, great, you know, great performance by Canelo, and you know, cap off the comeback. Absolutely. All right, let's go then to fight of the year. So we go from knockout of the year to fight of the year, and that hand down is Orlando Salido against. Um, Yanni Vargas, just a barn burner fight, back and forth, fought to a draw. I thought Toledo did enough to win. Instant classic, gushing over. Just you know, there's not there's there's nothing to me that's even close to that. So let's move on to upset of the year, which was John Molina against uh, Roslyn Provodnikov. Lot this. If you recall, Provodnikov was coming off of that really nice knockout win of um, of uh, Matisse. And, I mean, not Matisse. I'm sorry. Uh, he beat uh, – oh, I'm drawing a blank again, man. It's been so long because we're going back to, like, January, February of last year. But, anyways, Provodnikov was on a roll. And then John Molina kind of upset the train, winning a fight, by, taking him the distance into deep waters – and basically exposing the fact that Provodnikov, although he's the Siberian Rocky, the guy doesn't really know how to box. <laughs> so he's made it far, but uh, that was the upset of the year for us here at the Ultimate Fight Show. Moving on, fighter that needs to retire award. And we forgot to do this in, the, in, in MMA, so we'll, we'll, we'll go back and do it for that too. But uh, it's definitely Roy Jones Jr. For, for me. Bragg, same for you. 
Yeah, it, it, I think it does. I I would say, um, you know, Bernard Hopkins, of course, made good on his uh, promise at the end of the year. But, yeah, I think Roy Jones Jr., it's time to hang him up, uh, stay behind the desk and analyze for us. But I don't need to see you back in the ring. Absolutely. And for MMA, for me, I know a lot of people would think that it would be Ronda Rousey, but it's actually, for me, it's Johnny Hendricks. I think he needs to retire. I think he has never been the same since he had shoulder surgery after the uh, the Lawler fight, the first one. He's now been knocked out or beaten in, I believe, four of his last five fights. To me, he looks like he's a dad and a, he looks like a like a coach, like a wrestling college coach or something like that. It's time for him to give up uh, the MMA, the octagon for good. Bragg, who do you got for MMA needs to retire award? You know, I don't know. This was tough. Uh, talk about Johnny Hendricks for just a second, though. He, I would really like to see what he could do at middleweight. I think he'd he'd be a smaller middleweight, but I still think it'd be interesting to see uh, what he could do um, at that point because he just he it's a. Uh, but Greg, let me interject here. I don't think yeah. at middleweight, though, he does any better because, yeah, maybe he does better on the scale, but he doesn't have the knockout power anymore in that left hand since he had shoulder surgery. His, it's not the same, and that's why these guys are able to expose him now that this dude's a good wrestler who had a really good punch and a good beard, and now he doesn't take a punch as well anymore. He doesn't hit as hard anymore. And now he can't train as hard. He's eating himself out of the division. To me, I just think it's time for him to hang it up instead of, you know, soiling his career, so to speak. Yeah, and I can see that. Um, It's unfortunate. Uh, For me, though, a guy who needs to retire, and he may, and I can give you another name or two, but um, Ken Shamrock, what's he still doing fighting? (laughs) I have no idea. No idea, Brad. I mean, yeah. I, I can't even – yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> Ken Shamrock had a, a main event fight this year, I mean, for Bellator. Just think about that for a minute. Um, yeah, it, it, it's sad. Uh, I think you can – if you want to look at somebody uh, somebody like Vitor Belfort, I, th- I think they could um, – they should walk away at this point. Uh, I'm not sure how much more Tito Ortiz is going to have. Of course, he's fighting Chael Sonnen, and a fight I'm really looking forward to uh, later this month. Uh, you got a guy like Anderson Silva who has nothing left to prove. Um, quite a few guys in in uh, mixed martial arts who should hang them up this year. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Um, trainer of the year. And, and I believe the trainer of the year coincides with fighter of the year. And to me, no combination of fighter trainer personified greatness this year than Andre Ward's come from behind win in a move up to win another pound for pound greats title who was undefeated. So the ultimate fight shows fighter boxer of the year, 2016, and trainer of the year, 2016, Andre Ward and his trainer, Virgil Hunter. 
Bragg, let's just talk about what, what the two what the pair has done and then go to that fight. Prior to that fight, you got you got a guy, Virgil Hunter, basically offering Andre Ward, who lost his dad, a, a stable home. The, the pair's never tasted defeat. They've been undefeated for 21 years. Gold medal, 168-pound world title, Super 6 title, moves up to 175 to take on a guy that no one outside of Triple G is probably the most feared fighter in boxing who's undefeated and goes in there, loses the first round, then gets knocked down for the first time since his first fight 10 years ago as a pro, gets up off the deck, and then Virgil Hill, with his inspirational message, his positive, you know, you're, you're, you're great, Andre. I'll, I'll never forget, Bragg. The, the, to me, the bet, the, and, you, and everyone that follows the show saw it on Instagram. I had 7,000 on Andre Ward. So there's no, there's no, there's no, there's, there was no surprise where my loyalty and who I was rooting for that night. But the thing that really surprised me, the thing that I thought, made Andre Ward win that fight was if you remember Virgil Hunter at the beginning of a at the beginning of the or in between the second and third round after Andre got dropped he said to him in the corner he goes he goes you know what we came here to do put this out of your mind and then he goes you know Robinson got got up Ali got dropped and got up Leonard got dropped and got up you got up. Now go now go out there and finish what you what you came here to do. And to me, having that confidence in your corner man, in a guy that you who's seen you from a twelve year old to a thirty four year old, thirty two year old man, and and you're at your lowest low. You just got dropped by an, a crusher, a dude who's undefeated, and he's bigger than you and stronger, and and you get back up and slowly but surely start taking rounds and win, and ultimately win the fight by a razor close one point unanimous decision. To me, it was just, it was greatness personified. Bragg, I, you know, I could talk about these two all day. What did you see from the fighter of the year and the trainer of the year? And was there anyone else that you thought could have maybe deserved it? A, a name for me that comes to mind, if it wasn't Andre Ward, it probably would have been Vasily Lomachenko for me. Greg? Yeah, no, no doubt. Andre Ward is the fighter of the year. Virgil Hunter, that, that moment, I mean, that, that, that's straight out of Rocky. I mean, that, that is straight out of yeah. a movie. It really is. I mean, you, you know, if, if you wouldn't see it with your own eyes, if you're just explaining this to me, I'm like, dude, you watched the movie. No, it, it really happened. And, it, you know, just – Again, if you haven't seen it, go back, watch the fight. That's that's probably my number two, maybe number three fight of the year. Um, but the the fight itself is worth a rewatch. But just that moment in time is just that's one of those moments that is going to be replayed over and over again uh, until the end. It's just just a great moment, yeah. great time. I, if if it wasn't solidified by then, that that moment just put it into concrete that Virgil Hunter is, you know, is our, is the trainer of the year. Absolutely. And Ward, you know, coming back, um, you know, he really stole that fight. I mean, he came back and really uh, took that fight away from Kovalov. Just a fantastic performance. 
uh, no doubt the fighter of the year. He's number one fight, fighter in the world, uh, hands down. Just, just, just a great year. Just, just a great performance, uh, great moment, and that, that's that's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say this uh, before we we move on from from these two, but you know, no other fight in 2016 had more at stake. We like to say that boxing is high-level chess drama. Nothing was more high-level than that Andre Ward-Sergey Kovalov fight. It was only the seventh time in the history of boxing. Now, think about that. In 130 years of the sweet science, it was only the seventh time that two undefeated fighters met in their prime for a title fight, for a dust-up. And that's why it might not have been the fight of the year. It was definitely the event of the year. And again, just to close with this, because a lot of people and some of our fans probably thought that Sergey Kovalov won that fight. I'll say this. Had, had Andre Ward, mind you, Brad Bragg, I, this question's for you since the fans can't answer it, but had Andre Ward knocked Sergey Kovalov down in the second round, I would bet my hard-earned money that Sergey Kovalov would not have been able to come back and win that fight. The way, and, and that just goes to show the greatness that we saw from Andre Ward. And again, the honesty from Virgil Hunter, I mean, telling him in the last three rounds, you need these, you need this round, Dre. You know, I, I just saw a lot of, a lot of corners and I can think of three fights in, and we've talked about them on the show before Oscar De La Hoya blowing the lead against Trinidad, listening to his corner. You got it. You got it. And he danced instead of fighting, cost him the fight. Uh, you know, that's just one that comes to mind that was at this same high level. And actually, that was the last time two fighters undefeated met in their prime was Trinidad and De La Hoya. And again, for Dre to have, for Andre Ward to have the faith in his cornermen to know that they needed that round. And he got it, and it was the difference in the fight. To me, it was, it was greatness at its highest level in, in a sport where you don't play your fight. So, congrats to Andre Ward and oh, I, I Brag. I guess I never let you answer the question. Do you think Kovalov could have come back? <laughs> well, uh, the answer is no. Uh, we talked about it before the fight, and I think we both agree. We thought it'd be close uh, through the first half of the fight. We thought Andre Ward uh, would would commence to giving a boxing lesson and outboxing Sergey Kovalov the rest of the rest of the fight. To win a decision, we both we both discussed that. We both, I believe, called that, and I don't remember the exact score of the fight, but I believe we were both um, around about that. Also, uh, it just so happened that Ward had to come from further behind, and we expected him to. Uh, Kovalov does not have as great of a fighter as he is. He doesn't have the boxing acumen or the boxing aptitude that Andre Ward did. Or does, and we thought that was the difference in the fight going in. If Ward would have gotten the knockdown early, uh, he would have just been it had to have piled it on, and the decision would have been a little wider at the end of the fight. But as it was, 
Kovalov got up early, got the knockdown, and Ward had to work from behind and basically outboxed him um, to, to break, pull that fight in. So to answer your question, no. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let's reveal our um. 2017 January pound for pound rankings for boxing. Bragg, if you want to, uh, I'll take us through the notables and then you can do 10 through 6. Uh, let's go with Shinsuku Yamanaki. He is the 115 pound world champion. I suspect that him and Chocolatito are headed for a 2017 showdown. Mikey Garcia working his way back after his three year hiatus is slowly creeping back to pound-for-pound pound form. Is Randall Laurie, we'll see him this weekend in a fight, and, we'll, and maybe this is the year that he can finally start, you know, that the public can start catching up to the greatness that is Randall Laurie, the greatness he performs in the ring. Danny Garcia is headed for a summit meeting with Keith Thurman very, very soon in 2017. Adonis Stevenson, the lineal, light heavyweight champion of the world, Tim Bradley, and, of course, Kel Brook. Brad, 10 through 6, this is the creme de la creme, according to the Ultimate Fight Show. And who else would you go to for the creme de la creme? Uh, number 10, you got Keith Thurman, 27-0 with 24 knockouts. And uh, number 9, Guillermo Rigano, 17-0 with 11 knockouts. Looking forward to seeing what he's going to do uh, this year. I think he's going to be moving up. Uh, number eight, hanging around late in his career. This might be the le- last year. We'll see him in the top ten. Mr. Manny Pacquiao, 58-6-2 with 38 knockouts. Uh, Vasil Lomachenko, 7-1. Another guy who really is an up-and-comer, who's going to make a lot of noise this year. Uh, he's currently 7-1 with five knockouts. Uh, look for him to move up this year as well. Uh, Canelo Sal Alvarez, uh, the man we talked about earlier with the knockout of the year, sits at number six. 48-1-1 one one with 34 knockouts. Elsie, the top five. At number five, coming off of his close one-point unanimous decision loss, Sergey Kovalov, 31-1, 26 knockouts. He'll get his opportunity early 2017. They have a target date for May, maybe April for that. So we'll, he'll get his to avenge that L. And number four is last year's fighter of the year, Terrence Crawford. Bud is 29-0 with 20 knockouts, and we look for him to have a huge, huge 2017. At number three is Gennady Gennadonovich, Glovakin, also known as Triple G at 36-0, 33 knockouts. He'll be fighting Daniel Jacobs early 2017 in a fight that should prelude to Canelo, Hope, hopefully. Number two, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, 46-0, and 38 knockouts. Finally came out of his 112 division, moved up to 115, got banged up a little bit, but was able to win the fight unanimous. Can't wait for him in Yamanaka. And, of course, number one, the SOG, Andre Ward, 31-0, and 15 knockouts, the new light heavyweight champion of the world. Now, Bragg, we don't – normally do our you know we have we have our, a couple different things for mma that we do so i thought this year for boxing since we're going to put on our prognosticator hats and try to do you know a little predicting here that we'd have a couple predictions here 
for the sweet science. So bear with me. I'm going to throw out some stuff, and you tell me who you think and what you think, and I'll go first just so that you're not on the spot here because we want to keep it fair. Let's go with uh, breakout star of 2017. Two names. I'm just going to – I'm going to – take one of them who I think you'll have on your list, and that's uh, Floyd Mayweather's future prodigy, that the Errol Spence, at 147 pounds. He's undefeated. He's an up-and-comer. Floyd is really behind this kid uh, and think that this kid could be the next Floyd Mayweather and a pound-for-pound great. Bragg, what do you think about Spence, and is there another name or a fighter that you're going to be watching in 2017 to break out? Yeah, I, I think Spence is definitely a guy to watch. Um, really, I keep going back to Lomachenko. Uh, right now, like I say, he's, he's currently in our top ten and moving up. Uh, junior lightweight, I think he's got a big year ahead of him. I'm looking forward to seeing um, – I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's doing uh, this year because yeah. he's, he, he's a guy, he's right now, he's the – I think the number one junior lightweight in the world. The title is vacant, according to Ring Magazine. So he will probably uh, be putting some gold around his waist sooner rather than later come this year. Yeah, he's already the cha- He's already won titles at 126 and 130. And I suspect that he is moving up to 135, 140 range, which, of course, we'll talk about in another question I'm going to ask you soon. But let's go with uh, – fight you can't wait to see in 2017 and i know there's a lot of them i'm going to give you three and you tell me out of these three which one you're looking forward to the most and again these are fights that we know are going to happen they're signed some of them even have dates or will have dates very shortly here are the three brag danny garcia keith thurman we know it's going to happen january 30th we know it's going to be for the welterweight title that Floyd Mayweather vacated when he retired. Huge fight between two undefeated fighters and maybe a future of the winner emerging as a future 50th opponent for Floyd Mayweather if he comes out. So that's fight one. Fight two, Vladimir Klitschko against Anthony Joshua from England, they are going to fight in April or March. I'm not 100% sure if they have a date hammered out yet. That is going to be for the heavyweight championship of the world that Tyson Fury has vacated by not defending for well over a year now. And the third fight, Bragg, of course, is the rematch between Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalov that will happen sometime in April or May. Uh, Same weight class. Same. I, I don't know if it's going to be in Las Vegas or if it's going to be in California or it could even be Madison Square Garden. We don't know. But, Bragg, those are your choices. Out of those three fights, which fight are you looking forward to the most? Wow, that's, that, that's tough. Um, uh, yeah, I really like um, – I wanted to talk about the Klitschko-Joshua uh, fight uh, coming up. I wanted to, you know, touch on Tyson Fury and just – uh, say how, you know, it's sad to see what's going on with him and see how, how his career has deteriorated so quickly and just the best of luck to him. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, the heavyweight division is always, uh, you know, the premier division in boxing. It always has been. Um, 
always excited to see the heavyweight championship crown. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. All three fights you mentioned are spectacular fights. But to me personally, I'm really excited to see what uh, Klitschko and Joshua bring to the ring and to see where that whole division goes from here. Yeah, again, with uh, Alexander Povechkin testing positive for steroids, Deontay Wilder, uh, Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko, and uh, who's the other heavyweight from the American, the other big puncher? Is it Parker? Anthony Parker. Uh, yes. Oh, jo- uh, jo- and then uh, and th- or Joseph. Go ahead. Well, jo- Joseph Parker, uh, I believe he's from Australia. Is it? Uh, okay, Zealand, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like Joseph that. from New Zealand, and then I was also going to say uh, uh, Ortiz, David Ortiz from Cuba. Those are the five heavyweights that hopefully by 2017, one of them emerges as the the lineal champion, the guy, you know, that the casual fans can get behind moving forward. For me, Bragg, uh, it's Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman. And the reason being is that, you know, Danny Garcia cleaned out the 140-pound division. He beat Lucas Matisse. He beat – he knocked out Amir Khan. He's undefeated. He's, you know – risen to every challenge. Now he's at 147. He thought he was going to get a, full, a fight with Floyd. Floyd had other plans. And then Keith Thurman emerged after beating Porter. Both these guys are undefeated. One of their O's has to go. And I believe that the winner of this fight will be the front runner for Floyd if he decides to come back for number 50. Uh, with the, the Kovalov-Ward fight, I think it's going to be another close, great fight. But I really just can't see how Kovalov, with Ward having seen how he fights once and feeling his power, I just I, I got to believe that Andre Ward's going to have another game plan and is going to beat him easier this time in the rematch. And with um, I'll go out on the limb. I I, I the last time uh, when Joshua just fought and then Klitschko got in the ring and they stood next to each other to make the announcement, I actually stopped my television brag called my wife into the room because she loves Klitschko to see so that she could see how much bigger Anthony Joshua was than Klitschko. And I'm going to say that I think Klitschko loses to Joshua and that that will be the last fight of his career. That's my, that's my bold prediction for um, 2017, which is what we're going to have you do next. But, uh, so, Brad, give me a bold prediction for 2017 in boxing. I'm saying that Klitschko retires after losing to Joshua. Bold prediction. All right. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. I, right. You alluded to it. Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman will be fighting at the end of this month. Uh, the winner is the front runner to fight Floyd Mayweather. Uh I'm not ready to say who. I think either one of those guys um, could come out of that fight the winner. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I say the winner of that fight does fight Floyd Mayweather in September, and I think they beat Floyd Mayweather. I think Mayweather uh, gets his loss this year. You know, he he goes to the well one too many times and uh, gets caught. Wow. 
I will say this. Floyd Mayweather was on ESPN all day today. They had him on Max Kellerman's show and on a couple other shows, and he said that the fight that interests him the most is the Conor McGregor fight, and he flat out on television said, I will fight Conor McGregor, let's make it happen, and he offered Conor McGregor $20 million plus a percentage of the pay-per-view, but he's like, the idea that Conor thinks he's going to get $100 million is crazy. He's like, I'm going to get $100 million. Conor will make double whatever he's the highest he's ever made in MMA, and he'll get a percentage of the pay-per-view. Whether or not that counts as a fight for him, because it's really not. Floyd Mayweather turns 40 in a month. He'll be 40 next month. If he's going to come back, it's got to be this September, in my opinion, which would, which would put him two years exactly out of the ring. He did that two other times in his career with great success. So I could see that happening. I'm, I'm going to come with another prediction, too. We, we finally see Canelo and Triple G, and Canelo wins. That's, that's oh. my prediction. Uh, we, see, nice. we, see, we see Canelo and Triple G in November of, well, I'll say we'll see it in September if Floyd's not going to fight. But if Floyd decides to come back and fight, then we'll see Triple G and Canelo in November. And that Canelo will dig down deep and win that fight. That's my. Now, uh, last, because uh, you already covered the Mayweather. One of my questions was, Will Mayweather be back for number 50 in 2017? So both of us are saying yes. We do think he will be back in 2017. And finally, our last one, our matchmaker's dream fight. If you could put together the dream fight between real fighters that could actually fight, who would you like to see fight in 2017? We already mentioned Canelo and Triple G, so that's, you know, that's at the top of the mountain, I feel, for, for everyone. So Triple G, Canelo, that's one. And then, Greg, I'd, I'd like you to give me a fight that you think I'll go first and tell you that my dream fight for 2017 is some combination of these three fighters fighting each other in a round robin. Vasily Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia, Terrence Crawford. 135 to 140 pounds. Let's make it happen. I could see those three fighters, if they each fought each other, just being huge for the sport of boxing. Kind of like Hearns, Duran, and Leonard in that era. Bragg, what's your matchmaker's dream besides Canelo and Triple G for 2017? I, that that's that's pretty damn good. I I love that. Uh... I love that three-way right there. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, it'll never happen, and we're 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 calling this being you know our dream. So I, I think I know what you're going to say. Mayweather. Yeah, I think I know what, what you're going to say. Triple G and <laughs> think Floyd <I'm>... Mayweather. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because yeah. I, I still contend that. Triple Triple G is my favorite fighter right now. Uh, he's just he he's a guy. I mean, to me, you know, personal feelings aside, it's my number one fighter in the world. But yeah, I I would love to see that fight. I I just really would love to. And it, it it'll never happen. But 
if I could put two fighters in the ring together, it would be those two guys. Yeah, I would say that those two fighters, Mayweather and Triple G and Mayweather and Conor McGregor, that if you put together Mayweather against either McGregor or Triple G, that the world stops to watch Absolutely. that fight. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you even know who to, who, or ever watch fighting. You stop to watch that fight. So I, I, can, I, can, I can see that. Um, I'll, have, I'll leave you with another one, just maybe my secondary one, because I didn't pick a specific fight. I had a little round robin. But uh, my other matchmaker's dream fight, Let's finally see who the best is at 75. I want Ward to beat um, Kovalov again, and then let, let, let's get Adonis Stevenson in the ring with Andre Ward and, and find yes. out really who the best is at 175. Finally. And then, that, that, would be, and, and I, that would be nice. And I'll tell you this, if, and here's another bold prediction. I, I, we got a couple of them, so, and they're bold, so let's, we can fire them out. I'll, I'll contend this. If Andre Ward beats Kovalov again and somehow can get Stevenson in the ring and beat him, I think Andre Ward retires. I think Andre Ward beats Kovalov, beats Stevenson, and retires after that. I don't think he has anything else to prove. I don't think he's big enough to go up to heavyweight or cruiserweight, and I can't see – I don't think Triple G or Canelo will come chasing him at 75. So there's really no more fights for him then. No, I, I agree. I, I think that would, uh, like you said, there's really nothing left to prove. He doesn't seem like the guy that's going to hang on uh, just for the payday. Yeah. So, so and, and yeah, they would, they would be crazy to go up that, that much to uh, fight uh, the, the pound for pound king at the moment. So, I, I could see that happening. I, I really could. I, I think that Stevenson fight would be uh, would be fabulous. <laughs> oh I God, really it do. would be, and it would, and, and it's another pay per view because, as you can tell now, Andre Ward from the Kovalov pay per view. The next fight will be pay per view. That that Ward's finally started his pay per view career, which is kind of shocking to me. That that you know. But it also shows how great boxing was that we got to see that Super Six for free. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to it's hard to believe that all those Super Six fights with Carl Frotch and whatnot were all free, and that that this was Andre Ward's first pay per view ever. Was Kovalev? Yeah, that's that, that's so that's, that is that's uh very weird to say, but yeah, the Super Six. It seems like it was so long. It was what five six years ago now. It's so long ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to. I would like to see them put that together again. Another big have another. Yeah. Absolutely, I think it's about time. You know, to do it maybe once every. I think maybe every four years, like the Olympics, would be too too short of a time well, span because it's, it takes a couple of years remember, to get those fights done. Brag, if you remember, they they did a a minier version at middleweight to unify the titles before the Super That That's when uh, they had Keith Holmes, uh, Felix Trinidad, Bernard Hopkins, and uh, uh, who was the last guy? Will. They had another guy in there who was a champion, and eventually Trinidad and Hopkins met for the unification, and Hopkins knocked him out in the 12th. So, yeah, those those big tournaments like that, they also did one with Tyson in the 80s to unify that culminated with Spinks and Tyson. 
for the title. So those tournaments are always good, but the problem in boxing, unlike MMA, and we've talked about it for years, too many too many uh, cooks in the kitchen. Too many people want to say about when and how, and you know, and that prevents a lot of these big fights from happening. All right, Greg, let's uh, before we transition, uh, we're we're in the second hour now of our show, and we're going to get to MMA and do all that. But we got a, we got four fights we're going to call this weekend to start off the year right. So let's let's do that now. In Florida, PBC on Spike. We got Anthony Jarrell super middleweight against Norbert Namapazzi. It should be not going to have a chance because Andre Durrell is going to win that fight going away. I like Durrell to win by knockout in the sixth round. Brag, who you got? Yeah, I think he does it too. I was going to say the uh, the fifth, fourth or fifth, so uh, we're in line with that. All right, and then we got the main event, which is for the WBA 154-pound middleweight title is Randy Lari against Yuri Foreman, 12 rounds. This is going to be a really good fight, Greg, but you know me, I think, as Randy Lara is one of the few guys that can challenge Floyd, so I don't think he's going to get a hiccup here. I like Lara to win this fight. Most people, you know, I think he's going to switch it up this year. I think he knows that his time's coming. I think Lara presses the action a little more and gets Foreman out of there. I, I like Lara to win by knockout in the seventh round. Yeah, this is one of those uh, statement fights for Laura because he he does. He, I, I agree with you. I think that would be a great fight for Floyd Mayweather, and it's a fight that he wants. Uh, and I think he knows he's going to have to impress uh, to have a shot at that fight. So yeah, I think he does it. Does some uh, strong work and gets that done out. I was going to say he uh, stops him in the sixth. All right, so we're we're right in line there. All right, let's go to the showtime at Madison Square Garden. We got uh, Jose Pedraza against Gervonta Davis for Pedraza's IBF junior lightweight title. Davis is one of Floyd Mayweather's uh, promoted up-and-comers. He's looking to try to grab a belt. I'm going to go with Davis by uh, by split decision to win a title. Greg? Yeah, this is going to be a close fight. Uh, what, 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 which belt did you say this was for again? This is for the 130-pound IBF title. Okay, all right. I, I had something going on outside my window. I, I didn't hear you. I just want to double-check, make sure I heard that correctly. Um, yeah, I do, too. I, th- I think Davis has a lot. He's an up-and-comer. I think he's got a lot going for him. Um, I think it's a unanimous decision, but uh, it's close. But, but I agree with you again. I think he uh, does work and gets the job done. All right, and finally, the main event, we're going to save you guys from here in Buffer today just for time, but uh, Badu Jack, the WBC 168-pound champion, takes on James DeGaulle, the IBF 168-pound champion in a unification bout, which is great. You know, Mayweather Promotions was able to get them to come to the table, and we have a unification bout. Badu Jack, James DeGaulle going to be a great fight. Bragg, I think Badu Jack is going to, uh, you know, finally break through and get the get the, the big win here, having Floyd as one of his mentors. And I'm going to say Jack wins a close split decision and unifies these titles. Bragg, who you got? Yeah, it's going to be a close fight. I'm looking forward to this, but 
I'm going to go the other way here. I think the Gall uh, edges out Jack in a close uh, decision fight as well. Um, I think he just outpoints him late in the fight and uh, pulls away the victory. And who did you have in the last fight, Davis or, or Pedraza? I couldn't remember. I had Davis as well. I think he wins the closest to All right. All right, so we're only differing on the main event, on Jack and DeGaulle. All right, and that's uh, that's the sweet science here at the Ultimate Fight Show. So now we're going to transition to the new rankings for the Ultimate Fight Show for the month of January 2017. Bragg, you want to take us through the heavyweights, start us off? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, Number 10, um, heavyweight in the world. Uh, is Mr. Travis Brown at 18-5-1. Number nine, Andre Orlovsky, 25-13. Been around a long time. He's still hanging in there. He's still a credible heavyweight. Uh, Vitaly Minikoff, the up-and-coming future champion in the heavyweight division. Number eight, number seven, Mr. Josh Barnett. Number six, Alistair Overeem. Number five, Ben Rothwell, 36-10. Number four, Junior Dos Santos, 18-4. Number three, uh, Cain Velasquez, uh, he, he needs to get whatever's going on with him. He needs to get it straightened up or get out of the sport. Uh, he's a guy we could have said needs to retire. He, too many injuries, keeps pulling out of fights. Um, very unfortunate because he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, Fabricio Verdum, the former heavyweight champion of the world, sits at number two, 21-6-1. He should be getting his rematch with the number one UFC Heavyweight champion of the world, Mr. Stipe Miosic. Cleveland's own at 16-2 and two this year. Uh, had a pretty good year for himself, when you do say so yourself. Absolutely. Um, I was there to witness uh, his, his defense. But I will say this, Cain Velasquez did have successful sh- surgery to repair his knee. So he, we they expect him back in the ring sometime in April or May against Verdum. And then I suspect that Stipe will defend against the winner sometime towards the end of the year. Uh, light heavyweight, King Mo Lawal at 10, Jimmy Manawa at 9, Rampage at 8, Liam McGuire at 7, Glover Texera at 6, Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis at 5, Ryan Bader at 4, Alexander Gustafson at 3, Rumble at 2, and number one, Mr. Daniel Cormier. Bragg, middleweights? At middleweights, at number 10, it's Mr. David Branch. Number nine, Victor Belfort. Number eight, Anderson Silva. Number seven, Robert Whitaker. Number six, the former champion, Chris Weidman. Number five, Gegard Mousasi. Uh Number four is Jacare Sozal. Uh, number three, Yolo Romero, who will be getting a shot at Michael Bisbing. Um, in a few months. Number two is the former champion, Luke Rockhold. And, of course, the number one middleweight in the world is Michael Bisping, the UFC middleweight champion. All right, welterweight. Dung Yum Kim at 10. Andre Kurzashoff at 9. Carlos Condit at 8. Not sure if he's going to fight anymore. Cerrone, Cowboy, moving up the rankings to 7. Rory McDonald at 6. Ben Askren, undefeated. Love to get him into the UFC. At number five, Damian Maya at four, Robbie Lawler at three, and Tyrone Woodley, Stephen, Stephen Thompson at one and two. They will have a rematch uh, in March, I believe, for the UFC welterweight title. Bragg, the lightweights. 
Yes, at number 10 is Bellator lightweight Benson Henderson. Number 9 is Michael Chandler. Number 8, Will Brooks. Number 7, Edison Barboza. Number 6 is Rafael Dos Anjos. Number 5 is Eddie Alvarez. Number 4, Mr. Nate Diaz. Number 3, Tony Ferguson. Number 2, the undefeated Khabib Nurmagomedov at 23-0. I still think he deserves a title shot against the number one lightweight in the world. Conor McGregor at 21-3. and three, He sits atop the hill at All lightweight right. as well. At featherweight, we have Jeremy Stevens at 10, Ricardo Lamas at 9, Patricio Freire at 8, Cub Swanson at 7, Daniel Strauss at 6, Chad Mendez at 5, Frankie Edgar at 4, Max Holloway at 3, who's going to be getting the shot against champion Jose Aldo at 2. But for us at the show, the real champion is still the double champion, Conor McGregor at number 1. And bantamweights, Bragg, we have a new champion there, I believe. Absolutely. A little bit of shuffling here is number 10 is Marlo, Marlon Morales, 18-4-1. Number 9, our friend Brian Caraway. Number 8, hard-fought, uh, tough-luck loss, uh, John Lidecker. Number 7, John Dodson. Number 8, I'm sorry, number 6, Bibliana Fernandez. Number 5, Rafael Sansal. Number 4, Jamie Rivera. Number 3, the former champion, Mr. Dominic Cruz. Number 2, a uh, man who defeated John Lineker, T.J. Dillashaw. He's also a former champion. And number one, the new bantamweight champion of the world, the undefeated Mr. Cody Garbrandt. All right. At flyweight, we have John Morega at 10, Zach Makovsky at 9, Wilson Reyes at 8, um, Hussier de Silver at 7, Ian McCall at 6, Tim Elliott at 5, Henry Cahudo at, at 4, Kiyoka Haraguchi at three, Joseph Benvadias at two, and Mr. Mighty Mouse, nine defenses of the flyweight title at number one. Bragg, the bantamweight women. Yes, sir. Number 10 is Alexis Davis, 17 and six. Number nine, Sarah McMahon. Number eight, Tanya Evinger. Number seven, uh, we've kept her here until she officially announces her retirement, Ronda Rousey. Number six, Raquel Pennington. Number five is Kat Zingano. Number four, the former champion, Holly Holm. Number three, uh, a lady I'm really looking forward to seeing this year, Val- Valerie Shevchenko. Number two is Juliana Pena. And number one is the reigning bantamweight champion of the world, Miss Amanda Nunez. All right. And the 115-pound strawweight women at number 10, we have Valerie Latoro. Nine is Joanna uh, Calderwood, 10 is Tessia Torres, 7 Michelle Waterson, who is someone who just beat uh, Paige Van Zandt. She's someone to keep an eye on. At 6, Jessica Aguilar. At 5, Carla Espraza. 4, Jessica Andrade. 3 is Carolina Kowalski. Number 2 is Claudia Godelia. And number 1, who make, who's made 4 defenses of her strawweight title, Joanna Zenchasek. And now the pound-for-pound pound list. Bragg, you want to start with our notables? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, notables this month, we've got Yul Romero, Khabib Dubov, uh, Nate Diaz, Frankie Edgar, Robbie Lawler, Joseph Benavidez, Michael Bisbing, and T.J. Dillashaw. Those take us to the top ten. You want to take us ten through six? 
Yeah, and for the first time ever now, we are going to include the women in the pound-for-pound list. I believe it's unfair, and they've established themselves, at least the champions, as being worthy of that list. So this will be the standard from now on. Uh, Number 10 is Dominic Cruz. Number 9, Cody Garbrandt. Number 8 is Amanda Nunez. Number 7, Tyrone Woodley. Number 6, Stipe Miosic. Brag, 1 through 5. Number five is Mr. Jose Aldo. Number four, Daniel Cormier. Number three is Joanna Jadretrick. Number two is Conor McGregor. And number one, pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Uh, We debated a little bit on this, but I think we both agree. Until he's beaten, uh, Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I don't think there gets any better than that. Absolutely. All right, let's... uh... Let's go to our one of my favorite segments, um, Fact or Fiction. Now, for those of you listening to our show, maybe for the first time, or if you don't remember this, this is where the Bragg and I put on our, our uh, predicting hats, and we will let you know if we think that the champion of that division will be champion at the end of 2017. And if we don't think they will be, Bragg, this is a little change. I want you to tell me who you think will be. We just went through the rankings, so all the top fighters should be fresh in our minds. I'll start us off. Let's, let's, let's start at the bottom. Let's go with the 115-pound females where the champion is Joanna Jancheszczyk. She's made four defenses. Will she be champion in 2017? I say fact. She will be the champion at the end of 2017. I think she's one of the best fighters in the world. Bragg, what do you think? Factor. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I think that's a fact as well. I don't see anybody dethroning her at this point. She is really at the level where Mighty Mouse is uh, on the men's side. There's just nobody um, at her level right now. I think uh, Miss Michelle Watterson, um, who's up and coming, I'm not sure if she'll get a shot this year or not, uh, but I think she's probably the biggest threat at the moment uh, to Joanna. So, But I will say fact. Uh, she will remain champion through the end of the year. All right, let's move on. Amanda Nunez, she's made one defense of her title, but it was against Ronda Rousey, the biggest name. She has a few fighters looming, Juliana Pena, uh, Shevchenko, like you said, maybe a, a super fight with Cyborg. Will she be champion, though, at the end of 2017? I say fact. Amanda Nunez will be the champion at the end of 2017. Bragg, what do you think? Once again, I agree with you. Uh, fact. Uh, there's, she's not losing to anybody uh, outside of maybe Shevchenko, Valerie Shevchenko, and possibly uh, Cyborg. I think those are the two girls who had the best shot at knocking Nunez off, and I don't think either of them get the job done this year. All right, uh, now the men. Mighty Mouse, he's made nine defenses, count them, nine, of the welterweight title, only one short of Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre. Uh, fact or fiction, Bragg, Mighty Mouse is champion at the end of 2017. I'm, I'm going to say fiction with the caveat, I think he relinquishes the belt and moves up the bantamweight. 
Uh, or or okay, so. he keeps the belt. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I, he's done it flyweight. There, I don't think there's anybody else for him to fight at flyweight. So um, I don't think he's fighting at flyweight at the end of the year. Let's just say that. He still may be champion, but I think I don't think he's going to be an active flyweight beyond that. All right, I put, I, I put fiction and moves up in weight instead of naming a fighter who can maybe. I was thinking that that um, Kyoto the Japanese guy who's ranked number three, he's on, he's, he's the guy that they're maybe thinking might challenge him, but I'm going to say fact, Demetrius Johnson is champion still at the end of the year and breaks. I think he makes two defenses this year and becomes the all time uh, most successful defenses in UFC history, solidifying himself as a hall of famer. All right, Greg, let's go to 135 where we have a newly crowned champion, Cody Garbrandt. A lot of people looming. We got TJ Dillashaw. We got the champion Dominic Cruz looking to get his strap back. Maybe somebody from the chorus coming up. Will Cody Garbrandt be champion at the end of 2017? Fact or fiction, Brad? I'm saying fiction. Uh, it's a shark tank right now at the top of the um, bantamweight division. I think Dominic Cruz uh, re- regains that title. I think he beats Dillashaw. And if they rematch, and I think uh, Cruz beats Garbrandt in the rematch, and I think we're going to see a trilogy fight between these three before it's all said and done. Yeah, I'm also going to say fiction and say that I think Dominic Cruz will be the champion by the end of the year again. Um, just too much, too, too much talent in that division. For the sake of moving forward, Let's say that Jose Aldo is the champion right now at 145 pounds and not McGregor. Fact or fiction, Jose Aldo is champion at the end of the year. Bragg, I'm going to do this one, and I'm going to say fiction. I think Max Holloway will be the champion at the end of the year. Bragg, who do you got? Fact or fiction, uh, Jose Aldo. You know what? I Fiction. Fiction. I think I think Holloway beats him, and he's. Done. I think Jose Aldo rides off into the sunset. All right, 155 pounds, the double champ Conor McGregor. He has not made any defenses at this weight. We know that there's fights with Ferguson and Kabob or Diaz possibly looming. We know there are super fights with Mayweather or GSP. Bragg, what at the end of the year when it's all said and done? Is Conor McGregor the 155-pound world champion, fact or fiction? I say fact because I think he only defends it once, and I don't think it's it, I do not think it's going to be against Khabib. Okay, I'm also going to say fact as well, and I think that uh, he beats Khabib, and then also fights Diaz this year at some point. But. Uh, so I think he makes two defenses of the title in 2017. All right. This was the one that was a draw. Tyrone Woodley, 170. Fact or fiction, does he keep his title in 2017? Just before you answer that, let's think about it. We, we know he's fighting Thompson in a rematch. If he gets past him, you have a possible super fight with McGregor. We also have maybe the return of George St. Pierre. Maybe Robbie Lawler tries for his strap that Woodley took from him. Brag, fact or fiction, Tyrone Woodley is a world champ at the end of 2017. I say fiction. 
And who I'm also yeah. saying fiction as well. Who do, who do you think emerges champion there? <laughs> I think Stephen Thompson beats Tyrone Woodley. And I think George St. Pierre comes back and is the champion at the end of the year. Wow. Wow. I'm also going to say the same thing. I think Thompson's <laughs> going to learn. I, I think it's hilarious that you said that. I wish I could send you a picture of what I wrote down because I put Thompson slash GSP in the corner. And I, I agree. <laughs> I think Thompson having got a blueprint and got a look at what Woodley, now he knows how fast that closing distance is. Now he knows how heavy-handed Woodley is. But he also found out that Woodley gasses in deep waters. I think Thompson's going to go to the drawing board, come up with a more a game plan that fits him better, not the way that he was in the first fight where I thought he was a little tentative in the opening two rounds. I think Thompson wins a knockout over Woodley in the rematch and then gets beat by George St. Pierre by decision in the fight of the year in 2017. Hey, Let's let's rewind this for a second, or or we can stop and put this off. If we're gonna, are we gonna make any bold predictions for MMA? Um, not or not this, this week. We'll 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 save that for next for for next weekend. For for next because I, I really well, gotta because I, I gotta I really gotta add something to this whole conversation. All right, go ahead, just I'm, add it. All right, I'm, I'm gonna say a step further. I said Conor McGregor defends the belt once. That's going to be against Nate Diaz. That's going to be in the summer. Stephen Thompson beats Tyrone Woodley on the same card in the summer, perhaps at a different time. George St. Pierre wins the welterweight title. And I think our Christmas president on New Year's Eve is going to be GSP against Conor McGregor for the welterweight title. Wow, there, that I would be. It. Yeah, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that's huge. I mean, dude, if that happens, not only did you hear it here first, but it really would make everyone's Christmas present. It would be a great fight. You know that I think GSP is probably the greatest fighter of all time. I thought he would have beat Anderson Silva at a, at a catchweight fight before Anderson lost to Weedman. And, uh, yeah, that would just be fantastic. All right, getting back to fact or fiction, Michael Bisbing is champion at the end of twenty. 20- 17. I'm going to go with fiction. Bragg, who do you got? I say fiction as well. I think Rockhold's holding the belt again. Or, no, I'm sorry. I think Jacare is holding the belt by the end of the year. Wow. I'm going to go with uh, Yoel Romero. I think he wins. I think uh, he wins that fight against Bisbing and that he beats Jacare in a rematch of their fight that ended controversially. All right, Daniel Cormier, fact or fiction, he'll be champion at the end of the year. I'm going to say fiction. I think you're also going to say fiction and say John Jones. <laughs> uh, no, because I don't think John Jones fights. I don't think he fights for the title this year. I, oh, I wow. Don't. Um, okay. So you're thinking I, Cormier I think... keeps, keeps it? No. Well, oh man, this is tough. You think Rumble? Here's my problem. With, no, I don't. I, that, that's the thing. Is I, I, yes, I, Cormier is the champion at the end of the year, but that right. think about how deep that light heavyweight division has been. 
but when you look at it now, it's it's really kind of shallow at the top uh, without John Jones there. Rumble Johnson, I think Kit Cormier beats him in a rematch again. I don't think Gustafson has, uh, you know, has what it takes to beat Cormier. And there's really nobody else in the lightweight division, my heavyweight division right now. Hmm. All right, I'm going to say fiction, and that John Jones comes back and takes his belt uh, in a dominant performance that sees Cormier get beat in the first round. Wow. Yeah. All right, fact or fiction? Stipe Miocic, Cleveland's own. We promise we will have an interview with him this year. That's or else we won't have a show anymore. That's my that's my guarantee that we will have Stipe on at some point this year. Um, will he be champion or not at the end of 2017? Bragg, what do you think? I say yes. I think Stipe Miocic. Uh, runs the gamut and is the heavyweight champion of the world at the end of the year. Yeah, I also am going to say and still, and I'm going to Stipe Miocic makes his second defense and becomes the winningest heavyweight of all time with that. No one has ever defended the title more than, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. But, uh, so there you have it, fact or fiction, if you joined us with this segment. At the beginning, uh, we, we do like Joanna Jocasek to keep her title. We do like Amanda Nunes to keep her title. We, we do like Demetrius Johnson to keep his title or maybe move up is what we were saying. We also like Conor McGregor to keep his title and Stipe Miocic to keep his title. We do not think that Michael Bisbing, Tyrone Woodley, Jose Aldo, Cody Garbrandt will be champions at the end of the year, and we are mixed on the light heavyweight situation. Bragg thinks Cormier will be champion because Jones isn't going to fight for the belt this year. I think Jones will be champion because he beats Cormier for the belt this year. We'll see how we are um, a year from now and whether or not our predictions were right and the people – more importantly, it would be nice to say, hey, not only did we say that this was right, but we had the person who was going to replace them right. So that will be, uh, you know, a very good uh, little feather for this show to have in their cap. All right, Brad, we got a UFC event this week. We got a fight night in Atlanta, and it's uh, – I'm sorry, in Phoenix Atlantic. at the uh, – Phoenix. Ta- at the ta- <laughs> yeah, at the Talking Stick Resort Arena, one of the worst names ever for a place, but uh, it's BJ Penn in what could be his last fight ever. He's testing the waters, Bragg, at 145. Could we, this is good. It's going to be good. Like we got four fights, let's call it. We got John Morega against Sergio Pettis, Anthony Pettis's brother. This fight is at flyweight. Bragg, who do you got in this one? I think it's probably going to be a barn burner fight, but I like a Sergio Pettis to get a mild upset here and to win a close unanimous decision. I also like Sergio Pettis to win a close unanimous decision. Ben Saunders against Court McGee. This is at welterweight. Court McGee was fighting at middleweight for a while. He's making the move down. Bragg, how do you see this one going? You know, Court McGee is one of those guys that 
he impresses me a lot every time I see him fight. He seems to be evolving a little bit as a fighter, and I think he uh, gets the decision victory here. Yeah, I'm also going with McGee to win by decision. And, again, he's one of those fighters got all the talent. Just, you know, show up and fight. And maybe this now this new cut, new weight class, maybe it could have a difference. Co-main event, Joe Lau's on. Marcin Held. Don't really know a lot about him, but uh, I'm going to go with Joe Lauzon to win this fight by submission in the first round. Bragg? Yeah, Marcin Held uh, made his UFC debut back in November against Diego Sanchez. He lost the uh, unanimous decision there. Uh, he's been fighting at Bellator the last couple of years, but Lauzon is just such a submission wizard, and I agree with you. I think he gets the submission victory. I think it happens in the second round, though. Yeah, I was debating between that. Um, and now that brings us to our main event. We'll let uh, Bruce take us in. This is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! It is time for the main event. BJ the Prodigy Penn, 16 and 10, two draws, two time world champion at lightweight and at welterweight, making his what could be a resurgence or a final act, depending on how he does in this fight. But let's just, you know, look at what he's, oh, well, the, the guy that he's fighting is, I guess we should probably talk about him, is Rodriguez, who is. Five foot eleven, nine and one in his career, and let, let, let's just get to Penn because I really think that this fight is about Penn. It, the other guy is either going to win or lose based on what which Penn shows up. So let's break it down this way. I'm looking at his record. In his last, going back to 2010, he has a win against Matt Hughes in the first round by knockout, a draw with John Fitch in a fight that a lot of people thought he won a loss to Nick Diaz, which he had no business fighting someone that big. Rory McDonald beat him, and then Frankie Edgar knocked him out in the third round, and that was the last time he fought, which was July 6th of 2014. Bragg, is this a new BJ Penn at 38 years old? He just turned 38. We know that he's got a granite chin. We know that he know, he's one of the best boxers, and submission fighters of all time point it's like what is the motivation is the motivation to drop down to 45 to see if you become the only person to ever win three different titles in three different divisions but if that's the case that would mean him winning this fight and then probably having to beat a frankie edgar and then getting a shot at jose or max i don't know or is this just like hey i want to do this one last time because i don't want to go out with an l and I'm in a new weight class. Let's see what happens. Bragg, what are your thoughts, and who's your pick? Yeah, this this is strange because I never thought I'd see BJ Finn, Penn fight again, um, which makes me wonder, okay, he's got nothing left to prove. Uh, he's an all-time great UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, he's done it all, which I, I just seem to think there's something – I, I really want to pick Rodriguez in this fight. I really don't want Frankie. I'm sorry. I really do not want BJ Penn to win this fight because 
I, I think you I think it's one of those things where you leave the memories alone uh right off into the sunset. But he's motivated. BJ Penn is a motivated fighter. He is and it's such a smart fighter and such a talented fighter. A motivated BJ Penn is a dangerous BJ Penn. Uh, the guy can beat you in several different ways. He's shown a lot more power uh, in his last few fights uh, than he had earlier in his career. I, I think he's got one more run left in him. I mean, because as many fights as he's had, it seems like he's been around forever. But like you said, um, you know, he's only what, 38 years old. Uh, the guy is such a talented fighter. He's had a few years to rest. Uh, he's healthy. He's in a good place in his life. I think we see a little run here by B.J. Penn. I think he wins this fight by submission in the second round, and he makes a little noise in this featherweight division, I believe, over this next year or so. Yeah, that's um, to me, the, the, the thing that I'm having a hard time is, again, where the motivation is, number one. Is it to make that title run? But then again, that, that means that you're going to have to do – he, he's fought Frankie three times and lost all three. I don't think he can beat Frankie. I don't think he can beat Max, and I don't think he can beat Jose. So, to me, the title thing is delusional at 38. Um, the kid he's fighting is 9-1. and one. He's won seven in a row, and he beat Bruce Leroy in his last fight by split decision. And he's 5'11", and he's 24 years old. So he's going to be three inches taller, three inches in reach, 14 years in age. This is one of those times where I, I made a promise to myself at the beginning of 2017. I was, I was no longer going to ever pick against my knowledge that I have in boxing and MMA by going with my heart. So I'm going to say that Rodriguez wins by unanimous decision and ends B.J. Penn's career. Uh, Saturday night, and that's probably where the smart money is. I, like I said, something's just in my gut telling me that BJ Penn's going to win this fight. I, I just I can't put my finger on it or why. But if you look at who the top guys in the UFC are in the featherweight division, you mentioned Frankie Edgar. He's lost to Frankie three times. Uh, Max Holloway uh, is a guy who should be fighting for the title uh, this year. Um, do he BJ's not going to beat any of those either of those guys. He's not going to beat Jose. Uh, he's not going to beat Max Holloway at this point. But he's a guy who, again, he can have some top good fights. There's a guy like Charles Oliveira uh, coming off two losses. Uh, that could be an option for him. Jeremy Stevens is going to want to uh, come back fight. That could be a good name. Uh, there are a few well, fights the, in the Swanson. I think Cub Swanson and B.J. Penn, if Penn is, is yeah. as um, exciting as he ever was, I think that should, could be a hell of a fight to have. So yeah. do I think Penn's going to contend for a title? No, but I think you see him going a little farewell tour, so to speak. All right, well, here are the odds. I pulled up Vegas odds on the fight on the four that we just called. Sergio Pettis is a 3-2 to two favorite. Court McGee, Ben Sanders is a pick em. Joe Lauzon is a three to two favorite, and Rodriguez is a five to one favorite over BJ Penn. Wow, five to one. So again, I guess the smart money for because we like to give our our lead pipe lock 
and our upset special. If you're looking for an upset special, according to the brag, BJ Penn, if you put 100 bucks, you win 350 back on BJ Penn Saturday night. That could be the underdog. And uh, the smart money bet, I'd probably say a Joe Lauzon minus 125 to win you 100 is probably my lead pipe lock. I don't think that Marson Held wins that fight. Let's go to boxing, just see if we can pull up uh, the big fight odds. Uh, James DeGaulle is a 3-1 to one favorite over Badu Jack on Saturday night. I think Badu Jack is a live dog in boxing at plus 225. Uh, so, yeah, that's where my money would be. In boxing, Bragg, uh, any any thoughts on the five to one BJ Penn underdog? Well, like I said, my gut's telling me BJ Penn's going to win it. I'll I'm going to be betting through DraftKings this week, so I'm probably not going to put a hundred dollars down. I may put a couple bucks down on that fight uh, <laughs> to see what happens. But yeah, I'm I'm picking BJ. All right, and just while we're on the uh, prognog, why we're pro- I can't even talk about it anymore all of a sudden. It's the end of the show. While we're predicting future sporting <laughs> events, let's, uh, let, let's, let's switch gears to the NFL playoffs. We got the divisional round now. Uh, New England, Houston. It's Houston at New England, I'm sorry. And then Kansas City, or I mean Pittsburgh at Kansas City, Green Bay at Dallas, and the uh, Seattle and Atlanta. At, yeah, at Atlanta. Now, for you gamblers out there, we'll give you the spreads. We got uh, New England minus 15. You got Kansas City minus three. Or, I'm sorry, minus two. Uh, Atlanta minus four. And Dallas minus four. Those are the current spreads. Bragg. I, I I feel like I, I do this a little bit more, so I'm going to start it off. Let's say that uh, I'm going to say with my lead pipe lock on the NFL playoffs, let's go with the New England Patriots to beat the Houston Texans and cover the spread with a final score of 38-10. to 10. That's my uh, lead pipe lock. Bragg, you want to make a prediction on uh, one of those other three games? I my lead pipe lock. Um, I I say Atlanta beats Seattle. Uh, I I do. I I don't. Atlanta had every opportunity to win that game against Seattle earlier this year, and that was in Seattle. Uh, a couple of questionable mm-hmm. calls late in the game uh, took that or held them down a little bit. Uh, Atlanta is just clicking on all cylinders right now. Their offense is spectacular. They've scored 40-plus points. Uh, I think it was three games in a row without Julio Jones. They've got a great running game right now. They're going to be, fully, or for the most part, fully healthy going into this game. I think they easily cover and uh, beat Seattle on Saturday. Yeah, I'm also in 100% agreement. That was... Uh my upset special, even though it shouldn't be, but uh, I agree. 26-24 in Seattle, questionable pass interference call that would have set up the game-winning field goal. No Cam Chancellor this time. No, um, you're playing in Atlanta. 
and they're rested. I'm going to say 31-24 Atlanta on Saturday over Seattle. Now let's get to the Sunday games. Kansas City-Pittsburgh in Kansas City. Do the Steelers have the magic one more time? Bragg, what do you think in this one? Um, I I think this is where your upset my upset special comes in. I think the Steelers uh, pull out the victory there in Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City surprised and surprised me all year. I probably shouldn't be picking against them every time I do. They seem to bite me, but uh, um, going with the Steelers here. I think uh, that team is they're poised. I think they're they're a veteran squad at this point. I think Ben Roethlisberger, as long as he is healthy, and if all the indication looks like he will be, um, won't be hobbled on that ankle too much. Uh, I like the Steelers to win that game and move on to place New England. Yeah, once again, we're in 100% agreement. I like the Steelers to duplicate what they did to Kansas City earlier, but I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. Last time Kansas City lost 44-17, to and, or 44-7, to seven. it was the most points scored on Kansas City all year. I think the big three – listen to this stat, Bragg. I didn't know this, but do you know that it is the first time in the history of the playoffs for the Pittsburgh Steelers that the big three, Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Brown, are pl- played last that, – that was the first playoff game the three of them have ever played in together. Wow, I did not realize that. Yeah, exactly. Le'Veon Bell was injured for the other three playoff, the other two playoff appearances, and then last year they didn't go to the playoffs. So, um, but I think it's going to be a tough, tight game in Kansas City. I like the Steelers to win twenty-seven to twenty-three in Kansas City, which brings us now to the game that is probably the hardest of the weekend to pick: Um, Green Bay, Red Hot Aaron Rodgers, the general taking his team seven in a row into Dallas where they lost by 14 earlier before the streak started against a rookie quarterback, rookie running back, and the Dallas Cowboys America's team. Bragg, this is just the heavyweight matchup. How do you see this one going down? And remember, there probably will be no Jordy Nelson, and we're not sure if Ty Montgomery is going to play either. What did, did you say it was a four-point spread uh, Dallas was giving up? Yeah, four it's, points? It's, da- it's Dallas. It, it, it could be. It depends on where you're at. Uh, let, let's say four and a half. All right, yeah. So. I, I tell you, as a, as a Falcons fan, and, and I'll be completely honest with you, as a Falcons fan. Um, <laughs> you don't want to see assuming, AR. <laughs> I, I, we, I do not want to see. I would rather go to Dallas. Yeah, I would I rather go to Dallas. <laughs> to play the Cowboys than I would have Green Bay come to Atlanta. It's going to be a great showdown. Dallas has defied the odds this year. Uh, like you said, that, that two-headed monster they got with Dak and uh, Zeke, uh, two rookies who are just have been playing beyond their years this year. This is the heavyweight matchup of the week. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Looking forward to it. I, man, <laughs> this, is t- this is tough. Uh, you know, four and a half points doesn't really sound like a lot, but that that's quite a bit when you get these two teams together. It, 
Yeah. I say Dallas at home somehow finds a way. I, I whether it's whether it's you got Nelson and uh Montgomery, either they're not at a hundred percent, Rogers takes a big hit. What, whatever, so it's going to be a great game, and I think you're looking at this rivalry uh, moving on the next couple of years. But I think Dallas gets the nod at home, and I think it comes down to maybe a possibly a late field goal. Uh, so I think Green Bay possibly covers that four and a half points, but I think Dallas moves on to the NFC Championship game. Uh, with a victory at home over the Packers. Yeah, that would probably be the safe pick. I think a lot of people like Dallas, especially with Green Bay being banged up. But I just feel like the run that Aaron's on, 19 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 7-0 and the last seven weeks, is just – I don't think a rookie quarterback, no matter how well he's played in the regular season, that a rookie quarterback can win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl. So that's why I think experience is going to come down. I think Green Bay gets up early and maybe rattles the rookies a little bit. And uh, Dallas makes a late comeback, but it's, but it's not enough. And I'm going to say Green Bay wins 31-27 to 27 in a great game. So I can definitely see it going our, in that way. That's, that's, uh, that's tough on the call. It really is, and and I know what you're alluding to. You don't want it. You don't want to see Green Bay going into Atlanta like they did four, five, four years ago, and hanging 45 on you guys. Um, <laughs> but but I think that that's what we're headed to. I think we're headed for a Pittsburgh, New England, and Green Bay, Atlanta, to see who goes to the Super Bowl next week. Maybe we'll be maybe we'll be right. Maybe we'll be totally wrong. You got to tune tune in next week to find out. Brag, anything you want to say before we? Uh, get out of here with our first show of the new year. Now, I just want to say happy new year to all the fans uh, listening, everyone who supported us uh, throughout the year as we've uh, picked up this show again, the second half of this year. Just uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, look forward to some exciting changes and additions to the show to come. I think the fans are going to really like it and get behind it. Uh, we've got a lot to offer this year and, Looking, I'm just looking forward to it. 2017 is going to be our year. Absolutely. Uh, look forward to 2017. More MMA, more boxing, more interviews uh, is our promise on this show. And just to always bring you guys the most honest and best opinion, expert opinion from around the world of boxing and MMA. So on behalf of the Bragman, I'm your host, LC, saying thanks for stopping by for another edition of the Ultimate Fight Show. Are you ready? ready?